You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Greg Hectus. What's up, guys? David Hall. Yo, yo. And Justin Pearson. Hey, friends. On the show today, we will talk, take you through the iRacing Coke Series Championship race event as we crown the new 2023 eNASCAR champion. We'll discuss if iRacing could or should be made available to consoles. In the hardware section, we'll look at the long, long-awaited Fanatec QR2 quick-release system and SimMagic's pedals with haptic feedback. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. We hope to see you there. It's the end of an era in several different ways. Uh, Michael Connie he posted the Conti files, which is six videos featuring the Coke series driver that is retiring. Um, the one that we that we have posted on the script is actually the last NIS race with the 2018 rules package. Yeah, man, what a what a great memory, you know. Uh, it's actually the whole race, so. I watched a good chunk of it. I kind of skipped into the middle of it. And man, it, it brings back those memories of having to wheel the car, having to, you know, use your brake and throttle and, uh, and maneuver this thing. And I think it's Las Vegas that he's at, but uh, it's so much different than the current car. And uh, it's kind of neat to see back uh, to way, the way it used to be. And uh, also give people like Justin, maybe a look, who had come into iRacing after uh, this 2018 rules package. Yeah, Michael Contney was actually the first driver that I actually um, would see in the professional level. He's the one that I kind of followed through the system. Yeah, he put up uh, several videos recently uh, of past glory, but I thought this one was pretty neat because it kind of focuses on this car and this package and that all that horsepower. Maybe we can get him to come on now that he's retired and we'll actually, you know, have a little bit of time and then he's not practicing eight hours a week. I'd love to hear, hear him talk about the practice regimen and how that can kind of drive young, even younger drivers out. That would be so cool. I think he's been on before, uh, long ago. Yeah, we had a stretch where we were really focused on getting Coke drivers in back before it had so much money in it. All right, so this is an interesting question. Uh, why is iRacing not on consoles? What do you think, Justin? I mean, haven't got the form. Po- Let's see here. Uh, they tweeted, sure it would be nice to add support for console gaming. The next generation gaming consoles can support the demanding requirements. If the Xbox can support the new Microsoft Flight Simulator, what gives? Um, what do you guys think about this? If it can be done, why not? But how many resources is it going to take away from other developments? And 
is there anything that if you start worrying about cross-platform compatibility that will start to place limits on what you can do on on iRacing on the PC? I just does it sacrifice anything? Is my question. I don't know if it does or not. He he compared it to the flight sim to Microsoft Flight Simulator. Well, that's all good with Microsoft Flight Simulator. That's a one-time cost thing to buy. This isn't a one-time cost thing that people are going to be investing in on a console. You're going to put resources into having it there. You're going to have to then monitor a whole group, another group of people um, through, you know, Xbox and PlayStation don't get along um, with their peripherals. So you're going to have, it makes the market even worse. So that, that makes, you know, having, um, hardware work for both of them a little bit more difficult too and do you really want I don't know when I find one on the PC and maybe it's just me but you get a more sophisticated crowd maybe than you would get because the console you know you're going to have those kids that are you know expecting maybe the, oh it's an arcade version or something I always control I always consider the console an arcade type game there's not very many sims on the console None of the, like, Gran Turismo and Forza, as much as you want to call them a racing sim, they're not full sim arcade. They're more arcade uh, with sim elements to them. And consoles are not as upgradable as a PC is. You, you, you have to jump from generation to generation, I guess, but whereas you can almost sometimes piecemeal parts of a, of a computer here and there. I guess that iRacing has been around so long, it would be hard to move it to a different operating system outside of Windows. Um, I, I, sorry, Mike. I think he, you're, you know, Microsoft is the easier one of the two, like he said. But I don't, I just, it's hard to relate to it, right? Is Microsoft Flight Simulator even multiplayer? Yeah, I think you can have, you fly around, the, there's other people in it. If I, I could be wrong. I'm not, I haven't played it in a while. Here, here's the easy answer to this. I mean, can Xbox One run Windows 11? And if so, then why why can't it be? If it's got enough graphical power and stuff, you could take the graphics slider down all the way, you know, run it with just, you know, four cars, you know, dr- uh, dr- drawn and you hide the rest and all that kind of stuff to when you have a really crappy computer. I mean, you could really dial down the graphics, but uh, I think it all comes down to can the P- can the console run windows okay but mike you're saying turn it all down and run it on its lowest do you want to compete with somebody that's running you know it probably doesn't need to be turned down as much as what you're saying anyways because those consoles are pretty powerful now um but i just feel like you know you're gonna the the problem with xbox and and playstation is you're also going to have more widespread signal problems whereas a pc a lot of people focus on having good connected uh internet and good wi-fi and things like that you're you're probably with the saturation of consoles out there you might get more of a demographic that has weaker internet um signals i think most of us just don't don't feel that console culture is going to be uh at at amiable to, to iRacing's culture, even though we can be toxic, console culture is, uh, you know, an order of magnitude worse. 
What do you mean? You don't like uh, what Andrew Massey said in the forums here where you go, we, P we PC people, or we PC only people thumb our noses at co uh, console com uh, commoners. All hail King, all hail the PC. I, 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 there's some cultural differences, and some of it is probably, you know, the age demographic. You're going to have a lot younger generation on the console. Um, but the, the question we've we've all hit and added strength to the to the the original thing I said is that is it is it going to do more harm than good? And also, what resources does it take away from iRacing doing other things? How much effort would we have to be have to be put into it? And is there anything that you can't do on PC because you're all you're now worried about cross platforming instead of just worrying about making it better on PC? Well, Mike, we talk about every once in a while here about do they have to at some point refresh to another different type of gaming engine to run iRacing or do they go to like an Unreal Engine or something like that instead of using what, you know, back in the day from Papyrus that they've been, they keep building on. Does that maybe where they can make that change where you could add in that kind of stuff when you make a big change for everything or do they take that type of risk? I feel like if iRacing was going to make uh, racing for it, they would separately, you know, like Monster was Gaming was trying to do, is bring out a separate game for each series would be the more yeah, there you plausible go. thing, right? Whereas, like, you, you know, you get a NASCAR Series 1, you have an IndyCar, you have an IMSA or something like that, where you um, get the benefits of iRacing stuff, but maybe in a tighter package for specifically consoles where it's like you know you have a storyline or uh season mode or franchise mode or like all those things we love in sports games i think technically it is going to be hard for them to get away from windows uh unless like you said they should do a major change on the engine or something but i want to read this quote in the forums from uh iracer david Beatty. he said quote yeah if i were iracing i'd be leveraging its assets to try to get license to make as many console games for racing series via monster as possible but i'd also be using those games to funnel people back into iRacing an ad banner prominently displayed which does something like looking for something more realistic and challenging try iRacing uh basically just fishing for the couch and controller players who are feeling that itch for something more but have no idea where to scratch it and you just stole my thunder because I was literally going to make the same point, and I hadn't seen the quote. In that the console environment is a great is a great stepping stone because there there is less financial investment, but but they can get the race the racing bug, and then find their way to iRacing. And I mean, I almost kind of went that route because. I remember I was even back before 2003. I had some of the old old NASCAR games where you could have career mode. Um, and that was fun, but it was not multiplayer or anything. But that got me started on that bug. And eventually I found my way to R Factor. Then iRacing came out. Um, and then here we are. So, yeah, the console environment is perfect for reaching to a broader audience. And it doesn't have to have the same level of um, perfect physics that iRacing has maybe that's the wrong word but the same level of as close to perfect physics as you can get uh, I got one more quote I want to read out of the thread and this really goes back to the point of the thread 
about the actual console and and how it is equipped to be able to handle gaming like this. Let me read this. It says, quote, it's from Brandon Trost. The current consoles are all run a Ryzen 3000 series-based processor. Even the Series S is capable of running iRacing. Its GPU is more powerful than a RX 6400 XT. As for VRAM memory, it's absolutely doable to configure iRacing to utilize the console configuration correctly. The Xbox Series X and PS5 are around an RX 6700, which will have absolutely zero problem playing iRacing using FSR balanced or quality at 60 FPS and 4K. One of the things I was just looking through here, someone was talking about too, is what if we get to... Um, because consoles have a life cycle. I know our computers were, like David, you touched on about upgrading. What if you get to, you know, iRacing puts out the product that they have on the PC and you, you buy an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5 or whatever console, you're playing on it like that. Um, you're up, they update it every 12, 13 weeks like they always do, which the problem with that update is you can't just update it with the PlayStation or Xbox. It has to be okayed to have an update they have to go through the xbox store they have to do all these things it's not just it has to be xbox has and, and playstation have to sign off that all these updates you're doing or patches that you're adding or new content because then it has to go through the esrb and all those other things to make sure there's nothing that's going to violate anything with all the stuff that goes out to people's homes um, but then there's also the fact that um Okay, what happens when the console generation changes over to the next thing? Say you've put a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars into um, iRacing, and the next console takes a while for it to. It's not ready day one or something for the next console version because iRacing couldn't get it all up to that. You've just spent all your money on the old console, and now you can't race the old one, or you can race the old one, but it's you know, does it update still? Like, there's all kinds of these things where PC is more viable because of the way that the platform works on the PC. I think you nailed the, the, the deal breaker for me. I didn't think about it until you said it, but I definitely think you're right on that. Basically having to deal with Microsoft, who's not known for being a cooperative company. It, um, that pretty much sums it up. Well, well, right now they're cooperating by buying every publisher around so that they don't have to cooperate with everyone. They can just tell them what to do. Yeah, I mean, they've already been busted once for, for antitrust issues. I don't think anyone thinks we could put all of iRacing on console. I mean, but can iRacing via Monster, you know, put out a World of Outlaws game? Yeah, they'd have. Can they put out a NASCAR 2024 game? Yeah, they probably will. Um, and then, you know, yeah, I, it, it can work that way. And they're pretty much almost at the way of being able to put out an IMSA game if they keep the way they're going with scanning cars. Right. All right. I always thought, found it funny on another podcast that there's no longer active. Um, used to talk all the time about they didn't like how the grass looked. All right. Now, driving on the grass is also pretty tricky, but this next, this next one, Greg, is about grass is it greener on the inside or the outside or the other side what what are, what are we talking about so i guess from i'm guessing i'm hoping it comes to the right spot here when it did it but is is it curtis uh, ramirez's post mike that we're supposed to be looking at here 
It is. Okay. So he posted that in the forums, uh, a great job on the grass update. Um, I obviously haven't downloaded the, is, is this the update we just had then? The one before, I think. Okay. Um, I guess he's putting in there is one of the biggest critiques about the grass and the sand trap is the ice physics, which we all know that physics where it feels like the car speeds up as soon as it gets in there. Um, he says, I'd like uh, there, I'm guessing this must be there, be one of the first to say that you've nailed the grip levels of grass finally. I don't know if it's perfect. I've only driven off track a couple of times in real life, but my God, it is it worlds better than it was. I I didn't even know it was part of that. Maybe I missed that in the update, but uh, I don't know. Have you guys experienced the new grass issues? Or not issues, uh, update? I never felt like there that it was that bad before. You just it's not asphalt. You're not going to have grip. Uh, yeah, to what degree though? I guess is the question. No, I haven't really tried it, but uh, maybe, maybe I probably will tonight when I do my F four FIA race. Does the second post in there uh, um, sum up iRacing's forums page in one single sentence? He goes, "You know what? I like this post because someone's happy." Well, squeaky wheel is always, you know, the one you're going to hear, right? Yeah, oh, we were, this is a, I was going to say, ahead. this is pretty far away from the spa debacle, what was it, a year and a half ago or more, where they were actually driving through the grass on purpose. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I was going to say we had the, the problem where if you got on the grass, it would cool the tire off. Yeah, but whenever you're in the grass, you basically just have to try – you almost have to drive it even more like a boat and just kind of point the wheels sort of where you want to go and, and let it slide. It's such a hard thing. Like I, I give a hands down to those guys that found that, that thing were able to use the grass slow and then slow the car down and everything. It's like, I, I find if I touch the grass at all, I, I have no luck trying to make the corner properly and do it in a rhythmic way. Every lap. How does one go about and find that? I mean, did they were they just literally out looking for exploits? Well, this is say by accident. Yeah, well, I mean, this is what we had a uh, a post in our form or not our forums, but our our messenger page today, and I said that people are asking for real physics and things like that. Yet, what they'll go in there and drive around and try and find the biggest bug that doesn't actually have a real physics in real life. Yeah, but those thing. aren't the same people. You, you be careful. No, Anytime you say, well, people complain about this and people complain about that. Well, that's because they're different people. So everybody's going to complain about every something is going to get somebody that complains about it because you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of people. And I'm complaining about everybody that some people. What do you mean? Some people, some persons, some things. Well, Justin, do you ever complain about getting a hall pass? No, not at all, David. I actually heard about this story. Uh, Garrett Lowe um, tweeted, it's not every day you need a note um, from NASCAR to miss a midterm exam so you can race for the championship. And he's got a tweet and he's got a picture of the note uh, from NASCAR um, trying to get him a pass uh, to do this championship race. I think this is neat. 
I'm going to read part of it, um, the, the actual letter from Steve Phelps, the president of NASCAR Daytona Beach, to Dr. So-and-so at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, Mathematics and Statistics Department. Subject, request for permission to miss school for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series Championship presented by NASCAR Hall of Fame. Dear doctor, I'm writing to re request permission for Garrett Lowe, a dedicated student at the UNCC to miss class from September 25th through 27th. Garrett has earned a place among the 40 sim, the top 40 sim drivers in the world. Most recently he has qualified for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series Championship. Uh, notably, he'll be competing live at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, your understanding and approval of this request will be greatly appreciated. We view this as a chance for Garrett to not only uh, to excel in his passion, but also to represent UNCC on a global stage and compete for Sim Racing's greatest championship. Sincerely, Steve Phelps. I'd get that framed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why any any uh, college would oppose something like this. They make so many exceptions for their for their football players. Come on. Well, he was out the race, so obviously uh, he either failed the midterm or they excused him. I don't know. Other Coke news, David, uh, that came out before the race, Elliot Sadler Esports has uh, announced they will not be back in the Coke series next year. They say ESE out. 2023 was our final year, um, and so on. Elliot's really faded from my racing. He's not really around anymore. I don't even really see Michael Jeans around that much anymore. Uh, who was he was kind of their setup guy. He's not. I have not seen him much in iRacing, racing, uh, especially on in the Cup side because I think he's been spending all of his time working on truck sets and nationwide sets. Uh, but w once COVID ended and Elliot got back to doing his uh, his travel team with his son on baseball. That, that just took most of his interest. And I remember hearing him one time on, I don't remember if he said it in one of the servers or if he said it in, in the group chat we have, uh, but something about, I thought I retired and it started turning into work. And so that, you know, I just decided it's not something he, he really feels like he wants to do. It does say uh, in a, in a reply to the tweet, they will continue as a sim team on iRacing and a full-time Road to Pro and Contender series team. So this maybe taking a step back. Was that oh. Just, oh, go ahead, David. I was going to say, does that mean they just don't want to spend the money that you have to spend as to be a part of the series anymore? Right, doesn't want to renew the license fee or whatever, right? It may be better just to be one of like you know, it's kind of like acting like a truck team or an Xfinity team and not wanting to get into the big leagues like for, for money purpose, like you guys were saying. Other Coke news before the race, or this came in right after the race, actually, from Alan Bose. Uh, he said, after tonight's race, I'm deciding to hang it up. It's been a fun three years, but I think it's time to allocate my time to other things. Good luck tonight to the championship four. So he announced his retirement. So that'll take us right into the Coke race. Now, we had a great time hanging out Tuesday night live uh, with our team and some other uh, listeners joined in. Um, and I think it was a it was a success, Greg. Uh, you were there most of the time. Justin, you, you too. David, you came in right at the end. But uh, I think we had a good time just chatting it up. 
even though I thought the race was kind of crappy, uh, you know, it, I think David, you said it, nobody wants to be the guy that's going to mess up somebody else's championship. And when you're in the final, there's only four guys that are running for that, even though there is the relegation battle. So I'm surprised they weren't fighting harder, but you really only have the four guys. You don't have all the playoff drivers having a shot at the win. And so that can kind of neuter it down. Well, I was kind of just looking there too, David, when you're saying there, I was trying to look, they haven't, I don't know if you found the updated championship standings, Mike, I couldn't quickly find it. I looked on the website. It wasn't up to date yet, but you know, does, I was trying to see if Alan Bowes was even in, in the top 20 because they, we, we figured the other night it was going to be top 21. Um, if Alan Bowes was in the top 20, it'll be top 22 then that they'll be taken from for the road to, or to, to move over. And then the road to pro will be joining those guys. Right. Right. Now the race went clean and green uh, for the first part. Uh, Donovan Strauss leading, uh, our uh, Stephen Wilson championship contender second. And I think uh, Tucker Minter was somewhere between like third and seventh. He was like right there, not too far back. And that went right up until about halfway when we were really setting up for some fuel strategy. Like who's in a short pit, who's going to try to go long, this kind of this and this. And then we get a lazy spin from Casey Kerwin and bring out a yellow that really threw out all the, the fuel calculations because so we made it to halfway, they can make it from there kind of thing. Um, and then it was a, you know, like I said, kind of a bland race and, and that's how it played out. Donovan Strauss won the race. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, our championship, uh, Steven, uh, Wilson, uh, won the championship from finishing second. And then Tucker Minter, I think was right there. And I forget third, fourth or fifth, uh, but yeah, so Steven Wilson gets it done. Um, he, you know, he's been hot the last couple of years. He deserves it. And he had a, he had a great race. You know, what's funny though. I was just reading, I, I, I did find the updated championship standings only to the top 20, Mike, they was posted on one of the pages here. So that win by Donovan Strauss kind of really solidified him being, he, he was on the bubble area, um, to make it into the top 20, he finished uh, 16th in points, but it kind of really helped him out. Yeah. And he really got overshadowed. I was talking into the group about that, like to win the final race, when you have these other four guys running for the championship, uh, you don't get a lot of clout, I guess, you know, as you would norm, you know, throughout any other race in the season, just because you're a little overshadowed, but at the end, uh, Donovan Strauss and, uh, the championship winner, Steven Wilson, both did donuts. They put the noses of their car together and did burnouts and, and did some cool, uh, dual celebration. I thought it was neat. Well, I think the broadcast referenced, I think Donovan Strauss, uh, builds Wilson sets, I believe. Could be. Yeah. And so, uh, that's maybe why they, they ran so well up front and, and look, qualifying turned out to be huge because people like Nick Ottinger and, uh, and, uh, the other championship guy, uh, Lowe, Garrett Lowe, they were way back in the, in the qualifying. And it was kind of fun at the beginning to watch Nick Ottinger come up through the field. Now he, he was in the back and he came up through the field, kind of running the high line 
while everyone else was kind of low and mid and he was able to pass a lot of cars and he got up to like i don't know 15th and then he uh then the tires fell off and he faded and he faded hard I, after the race he in his interview he said he actually hit the wall we didn't see that in the broadcast but apparently he hit the wall and that's when he started fading um mike i did take a, a note of who joined us the other night do you want to talk about them now or at the end maybe at the end of who joined us in our oh, live sure stream? go ahead so some of the guys that weren't our us that joined in uh it was k stocks 28 um i'm not sure who that was name wise but at least out to that him um john curly uh, and I guess Brad Wren was one that we were talking to now a lot. Brad is, joined our team. Yeah. He actually used to be on this team many years ago, uh, and uh, he's back. And so we actually ran with him last night, and so it's good to have Brad Wren back. Yeah, he seems like a pretty cool guy. He raced with us. Uh, he pushed me a little bit. felt safe, so... Yeah, like he's a good driver. I mean, he'll, he'll fit in perfect with us. So, yeah, real happy to have Brad back. Uh, we need good drivers. Um, and he's got the right eye rating, you know, uh, that we need it to be. And, well, yeah, he and like you said, he, we ran with him. It's like he never missed a beat. I don't know how many years he's been out of eye racing, uh, but, yeah, he's back. And then John, you mentioned John, what was his last name? Curly? Kearney. Right now, he he sat in with us last night. Yeah, he he was uh hanging out with us Tuesday night, so I invited him to sit in with uh, us when we raced last night. So he uh, ran with us, and he messaged me after the race. Hey, thanks for inviting me. I learned so much just listening to you guys during the race, and and so forth. So yeah, I told John to keep coming, and that we might see him uh, maybe tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, a lot of fun on the Tuesday night thing. I'm glad we did that. That was that was a blast. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. I, I've never actually, you know, I've kind of watched those e NASCAR races by myself, my lonesome, and it was kind of nice having a group of guys actually uh, have some same interests. Well, yeah, we weren't just talking about the race. We talked about a lot of stuff. So, oh, one more thing on the the Coke race. Um, at the end. You know, Steven Wilson is running second. He's just clicking off laps. He's hoping to get to that white. He doesn't want a caution. Donovan Strauss doesn't want a caution. I mean, these guys are just begging, please don't let the late caution come out, you know? And so in the in the theater there at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, all of Steven Wilson's family is there, including grandma. And grandma, and they have the camera on grandma and mom and, and grandma is just, she's got her hands together and she's praying. She is praying. Oh, please. No yellow. I, I don't know if she understands what she was praying for that. She, you know, if she knows enough about racing that she was praying for no yellow, but she was praying now for a good outcome for her grandson. And you know what? The power of prayer worked. No yellow came out. Uh, I, I want to credit grandma for a lot of Stephen Wilson's success on Tuesday night. I thought that was really neat to have all that family support after the race. They all came up hugs all around. Uh, the competitors came up, shook his hand, gave him hugs. I mean, it was all pretty cool. William Byron was there to give out the trophy. Can I say William Byron is one of the most awkward individuals ever. 
what do you call him? Like a geek? He's like a geek. Like I said, a, he, right? he fits in perfectly for with iRacing. If they had, like Dale, Dale Jr. is more of a personality when he's there. Uh, you, everyone on stage looked like the way William Byron was kind of going there, even though William Byron was the bigger celebrity on stage. He looks I like want to jump around in the, the sound guy or something. I'm going to jump ahead on the script since we've already talked about him. Uh, it's a little further down, and it is Byron and I racing on Fox since we're talking about him. And he uh, had a one-on-one -on -one article uh, where he talks about his path from I racing to NASCAR. Yeah, through Bob Pockrass was the, actually the guy who wrote the article. I don't think that's how his name's pronounced. Pockrass. Pockrass. Pockerus. Pockerus. That's the uh, that's the other account, isn't it? That's the, one that always, that's the one that always trips Mike up. I'm like, there's this huge announcement. Like, what is this? We screenshot it, put it in the chat. Oh, you've been you've been slung. What what is it called? Oh, slurned. Adam Slurn. Well, tell us about the article, Mike. Well, yeah, and so basically, it's a Q and A between Bob and. Uh, and and Byron, and I'm going to go down to the eye racing part, of course. Do you feel like you're? He kind said, of "Okay, I found it." He said, "So here's what Bob says: you you almost did it a little backwards. You did some late model stuff before you did a lot of NASCAR National, but you almost have done more late model stuff than the past three or four years." Oh wait, that's not the right one. Sorry, let me try this again. One below it. Did anybody ever tell you growing up that you're spending too much time racing on the computer? My dad, my mom and dad, they definitely were wondering what I was doing all the time, but it worked out. So that's advice for any kid out there. He said to divide their parents? No, to follow your dreams more so. So it's not a lot, but he talked about it. Well, then this is something where you're not, I mean, you're pra he's practicing, all right? You master anything through practice, including racing online um it's not uh playing super mario brother even though there's probably competitions for that as well right well yeah we heard before that william was getting sets from nick ottinger for real that you know he for the week the upcoming week whatever track he was at he was getting a set from nick or something and then running it um on iRacing, obviously as a, a testing and I don't know if we hit this one on the script or not, but I, I came across a on one of my feeds, some somebody, no, it was in the chat. I don't know if we edited it the script or not, but somebody was griping about the the current tire model being not fun, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mm, actually, it's a little bit easier to pass in, online than it is for them in real life, probably because you're we're, we're amateurs right instead of it being it's probably harder to pass for the pros than it is down in the amateur ranks but um there's more difference in the setups yeah more difference in the setups and more difference in the skill right uh and but i saw that and i was like well you know the fact that an i racing setup is ending up in the real world that's got to tell you that they they're pretty damn close Right. Yeah. By the way, that was a former pro Casey Tucker who tweeted that out to Steve Myers right after the Coke race. Hey, now that the Coke race is over, maybe it's time to give some 
oval refresh and i think steve replied and said hey we're well into the oval refresh that's uh that that uh was it a tweet or was it a forum post i couldn't remember but whatever it was that got pretty heavy into uh some slander towards the oval side not getting any love recently yeah there were a lot of replies on that it was on the tweet tweet for sure and uh i didn't put it on here it was kind of toxic so i let it go well as far as tracks go we've got all the tracks right just about speaking it we'll we'll hit tracks in a second but um otherwise unless you start adding more old school cars what it's, it is down to refinement and they're doing that refinement now and, and talked about it. So I do look forward to the, to the changes. I guess what is missing a little bit is maybe the dynamic track kind of situation. You don't really ever have to change lanes because of track conditions like you do on dirt. Right. The, the optimal line is always the optimal line unless there's a car in the way. So since I said the word tracks, Justin, what's our next tweet? Uh, yeah, iRacing put out attention iRacers. You'll now be able to choose between the Toyota and Honda when selecting your Super Formula SF23. Uh, I haven't ran this car yet. It's brand new. Um, but when it came out, it was only available as a Toyota. So now if you buy it, you get to choose to drive the Toyota or the Honda version is what they're saying. So it's still just one car uh, purchase, but uh, you get a different engine package uh, depending on which one you pick. Did it change the sound at all? I would guess so. You know, you think the visuals like the sticker, you know, does it have a Toyota sticker or something? I don't know. That's kind of a that's kind of a first where you literally have different versions in the same car. Well, which is right. funny because uh, they did the, they did that there before they did IndyCar ever got the Honda Chevy, right? Like they never did the Honda Chevy for the for IndyCar, but they did for this car. It's kind of interesting. Like it's a Delara chassis, but it could be a Honda or a Chevy. Is that what you? Yeah, because because in 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 IndyCar they have Chevy motor or or a Honda motor, right? Right. So why not do that the same way as this, right? Well, wait, is, doesn't the Honda and the Chevy have different aero package stuff? Yes, they different. used to. Yeah. They used oh. to. I don't, know, I don't know how much different it is nowadays. I know they tighten those rules up, but before they used to look totally different on uh, like the road courses from when they, when they had different aero packages. But you know what's going to happen next is because you just said IndyCar about 500 times, I'm going to have to send this to iRacing so they can replace that with Star Star Star. Do I have to put the Do I have to put the counter up again? So this car probably has no visual differences between the two. Um, th that's probably why they did it, I would guess. All right. But um, one of the dangers, I guess, of jumping around in the tweets is we can get lost in the script. So if you look up above that, that's the one that's actually about tracks. And it's, right. And so Justin didn't catch my fancy transition. Uh, what are the next three tracks that you would like to see make it into iRacing? And probably the most obvious one that a lot of people want, even though you can't really race there, you just drive in a parade, and that's Monaco. Monaco. <laughs> 
I would have loved to have seen Memphis get scanned. I don't know if it's still there or not. I know it's shut down, but I would love to see that one added to the surface. I want uh, St. Petersburg street course done for as well. How about Pikes Peak uh, Oval or Pikes Peak uh, Mountain, actually? Yeah. Pikes Peak Mountain will be, that'll be... Remember the hype when you used to try and do the Washington one, Mike, all the time? The hill climb? Right, you're right. It'd be like that one. I haven't done that in forever. It seemed like it was uh, like a, a fad. Some of the replies I'm going to read off. Bahrain, Sepang, Norris Ring, Ozark okay. Speedway. I was going to say, there's got to be a bunch of, for supercars, like the street courses in Australia. Is Ozark done? I, th- I thought that was still being built. I, well, I still, I, but I hadn't heard an update on it in a long time. I want them to come to Canada and scan some of our, uh, well, I'd love to see Toronto scanned. Ozark's actually pretty far from here because it's literally the, the other side of the state, but that would still be a neat trip. I can get to Nashville quicker than I can get to Ozark. Utah Motorsports Campus, Adelaide Street Circuit. It just keeps going, but uh, yeah, pretty cool. Nazareth Speedway. All right, so when I got home last night and got ready to register for NIS, I saw an update, and I was like, I was like, I was hollering to everybody, make sure you update early and don't wait till the last second to register. Um, so we have a patch, and uh, looks like a pretty hefty patch. There's definitely some general upgrades to the UI, I guess. All tables displayed are being updated, so they show the most important relevant information, no matter what the window width. I think the big one, David, for me on this one is the paints are fixed. Fixed an issue in the sim where it only supported 44 paint jobs if the user's GPU VRAM was set to less than one gigabyte. So if the field was more than 44 and the GPU was older, some of the cars would remain unpainted. Also an issue where they uh, fixed where if a car is in a session had an invalid paint scheme or invalid paint files, it could cause other cars to appear untextured or white. This is another one uh, out up in the simulation area with race control. They fixed an issue with drive-through penalties that were acting like stop-and-go penalties because a few people would serve the drive-through and then not realize it didn't get cleared and get completely disqualified. That happened to Tony, I believe. And this one's... Spotter crew chief requested damage report calls will now be received regardless of the chattiness level of your spotter. Huh. What is that? You can request the, how do you request it? Is that a key bind? No, I, think, I think it's saying it's saying it's you have damage no matter what. Like, so people were finding that when they had it on less chatty, it wasn't letting them know they had damage or something. Yeah. Cause it, I don't ever hear if I have damage or not. Cause I have it on like the minimal chat. So you'll probably hear it now, no matter what. They have a thing where they also can tell you, hey, we're going to fix all, all, not all the damage can be fixed is, is one of the phrases they say. Yeah, lots of uh, little stuff in this. Uh, we don't need to go through all of it, but yeah, it's a patch. All right. Well, that brings us up to something with uh, Joel Smith, Greg. Um, so there was, uh, I guess he put on his Instagram page, Joel Smith Racing. Um, career win 1000 or congratulating him on 1000 career wins and an 87 plus I rating at the age of 13, which is 
ridiculous. Well, yeah, it is. And that's why we're talking about it. I thought I saw this on the Instagram and I'm like, wow, that's actually very impressive for a, a young lad of only 13, 8,700 I rating, no matter what car. Now he has a picture here of a legends car. So I presume that he runs legends to get this rating and these a thousand wins, but I don't know specifically. I'm going to look him up. But how many Joel Smiths are you going to find, Greg? Joel Smith, 23. Well, I guess you'd find, you could find the one with the highest I rating, right? The 8,700 I rating. Just give me one minute. I'm just impressed at the age and having 8,700 I rating. I mean, obviously, the kid has class, you know, discipline. You know, we, we race with people much older that can't race like he does. And when you get to a certain amount of I rating, it's hard. It gets harder because these guys don't mess up, you know? There's 10 Joel well, Smiths. Yeah, 10. Okay. I'm just trying to find him. No, that's not him. So speaking of I rating, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the quick story. I did some farming this week, this last week, where I ran the car tomorrow at Daytona and farmed um, 970 I rating basically in five and seven days. Um, I think that's the most I've, you know, gained in such a short period of time ever. Uh, not, I got myself right up around 3450, uh, for I rating. And I was at 2450 when I started the week. So almost a thousand I rating. Uh, wow. I, I didn't know it could be done, but I did it. You fast me. Well, honestly, it's going to save my championship or at least my attempt to win this championship uh, from my teammate, Tom Dryling, because he was, he is at 3,400, 3,300 I rating, and he was making a lot more points than I was when I was down at 2,450. So now at least I have the opportunity to earn as many points as he does, and it might be a more of a fair fight. Yeah, I was, I was on a little bit of a do what? I said this is taking longer. I thought there's one that's private here. I don't. I think it's him that's not showing. Yeah, kid. Yeah, no. Kids could be private. Yeah, that, that might make sense. But None anyway, congratulations to him. That's something. So uh, we're looking at future Coke driver. I think he's a dirt oh. specialist. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the pitcher is a legend. So who knows? So then future WOO driver, do they have an age limit on those, on those pro series? I don't think so. Well, with that I rating, if that, if he's got that I rating in dirt, he should easily get into the, in the WOO. If he, if right, he's got the time. Well try. <laughs> Run the qualifier, right? Well, next up, we are going to talk about the trading paints security incident. No, this ain't trading paints. Oh, I, I, different. I assumed new one. So who was it? Was it Iris so, themselves? This came out earlier today, just a few hours ago, and I'll read it. It says, recently we became aware of an incident where an individual, a bad actor, was able to access our third-party CRM software. This CRM is Customer Relationship Management Software. This access was promptly disabled. Before being disabled, the bad actor gained access to our CRM software for a short period of time. The bad actor assessed 
accessed a small number of customer support tickets and accounts inside our CRM system. The bad actor attempted to download bulk member data from the CRM system. However, logs demonstrate that the access to the bulk data ultimately was prevented. And it is important to note, no user credentials were accessed. No payment information was accessed. We take account security extremely uh, seriously, and we are very much appreciate your participation in the iRacing community. And they also suggest that you don't, you know, the user security stuff, don't use the same password anywhere and use strong passwords. Uh, so your password should not be password. CRM is a customer relationship management tool. I used to use this in a previous job. Uh, what they use it for in iRacing, I believe, is uh, if you call in for support, they write a little ticket in the software to track uh, track the ticket. Uh, also, I bet they use it for um, uh, when you get protested. Like the when when you do a protest, I think they probably log it in the CRM system, and then when you get that e automated email from Nimcross that that you know, hey, you're we're gonna ban chat ban you. That's actually direct, uh, probably uh, comes out of that CRM software. So anyway, that's a system that they accessed. And of course, it has all the iRacers information in there because, uh, you know, when they go to write the ticket, you have to, you know, put in who it's for and so forth. Well, there was a time when you could actually access the whole your whole list of customer tickets that you had available, whether it be support or your protest or protest against you. And that they that's just disabled that link. They did. Like I talked about it on the show and then all of a sudden we couldn't access it. It's like, I still have the book, link bookmarked. I'm looking for it now. So I found, I found this kid. He is, what, is he, what does it say? He's been on iRacing for four years. So he started, I guess when he was nine. Yeah. Um, he mostly races oval, but it looks like legends oval advanced legends. Um, he has 3,000 starts in oval, 3,051 starts on oval, and 1,002 wins. His his winning percentage is almost 33%. But he's he's kind of farming, I guess, a kind of a specialty area, I guess? Well, he's doing a hell of a job for it. His last 10 races, he did nine of them in the Advanced Legends Cup and then one in the World of Outlaws. Um, all nine Advanced Legends Cup, he started first and finished first. And check out the strength of field of those. I'm curious. Check out. Can you 20, check out the strength of fields? 26, 2,000, 1,800, 21, 22, 2,000, 21, 21. He's, he's racing against 4Ks and down probably 2Ks because a lot of the upper guys are not running that series. No. And Look, the one world I gained 1,000 in seven days. I mean, it's possible. Well, I'm going to go with this too. He's good on every aspect of iRacing because his dirt road, he has 326 starts and 99 wins. So he's at 30% winning ratio in there. Dirt wow. oval, he has 310 starts and 106 wins at 34% winning percentage. And then road, he has 272 starts, 47 wins. For seventeen, that's his lowest. His road is road. It's it is impressive, but again, I'm curious why he's not getting into big cars and big tracks. That's the thing. It'd be more impressive 
could, if he was like running NASCAR and you know Gen Seven, you know, top split with the rest of us, and see how he stacks up against the big boys like Garrett Mains and those guys. Could it be he just has the base cars? Yeah, I guess you guys. I guess even if you compete in the <laughs> in the lower series, you still get credits to be able to to buy tracks, right? In cars. Yeah, eventually. I, I think that's just where he's comfortable and where he's having success. So he's doing a hell of a job. But I don't. I I personally don't place the same value on an 8K guy farming wins against a bunch of 1K guys. What about when he's one third your age? One fourth your age. It's still <laughs> 13, 13 year olds can drive. I know. Okay. I mean, they're right. Obviously. If they've got money, they're racing at five years old now, right? Yeah. I mean, look at Brexton Bush. You know, look at, you know, the Harvick kids. Mike, you like to spot all the time. Uh, what about this idea? Yeah. Uh, forum post from Alan Strovich. He put in. Uh, let's spectate and spot from your phone. All right, this is one of those slightly further out ideas. What kind of traction would iRacing generate if they had a standalone app that allowed you to join sessions to spectate and spot from your phone only? A lightweight version of iRacing in theory to create higher accessibility to be able to partake in sessions in a different manner. If that was the case, should content for spe spectators and spotters be free and no subscriptions? I think it would generate a lot of positive traffic in the long run. Open for discussion, pros and cons. Spectate, maybe, but the latency and the screen size for spotting? Uh-uh. Well, the first response from Robert Beerus says, isn't this what Twitch is for? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can, yeah, exactly. You can already, but not everybody Twitches, so. You also don't Twitch for, you don't, you don't spot from Twitch. You can watch. Yeah, but there's there's latency, there's delays, and anytime you throw in the additional trip through the cell towers, you're going to have a slightly higher ping. So I think the guy who wrote it though is assuming that technically you can do it without or a delay or a minimal delay. I mean, if you're really spotting from a phone, you, you, it can't be delayed. Like for example, I was about to win the race uh, last night, and Tyler was uh, spectating my race and so we tried to time it and see how bad the time the delay was and so as i crossed the line under yellow he would call out verbally you're crossing the line now and i had already passed it and i was a car length past it when he said now and so there is a delay well there's two sources there's two sources of delay there not just one. There's him getting the video, but there's also his voice getting back to you as well. And and do have we had have we had him have we had him tested to see how fast his his response or he see, he does things? He's got an, that's a third delay. Well, are I you think calling Tyler different. slow? No, but we haven't. We don't have him tested. I think there's a difference in delay if you pick to spectate versus spot. I think if you're spotting, it's much better. And so I actually think uh, last night, Bobby Jonas came in as well, and he was spot under spotter, and he was actually spotting for me, and it was real time, and it was working out without delay. But I think if you go in as a spectator, there is a, a delay that you wouldn't get as a spotter. 
I I like the concept of it, uh, but I kind of agree with David with the cell phones. I don't think it's very practical looking on that. But if you gave more people access to spotters, do you think it would clean up the racing or help it a little bit? No, not this kind of access. But if if we had such an app, imagine just today when we were racing, Justin. I, you know, I had a bad race pretty much and I was pissed and I was walking away, but you're still racing. Normally I would sit there and, and join your race and watch it, but boy, it'd be cool if I could get up and just watch the end of your race on my phone. If it was as easy as just clicking an app and pushing your name and boom, there it was. I would probably do that. I'd probably be in the backyard with the dog and I'd be looking at my phone, watching you, you know, try to win the race. So I think it's a great idea if if they could pull it off and it was seamless, you know. I think the only incentive for iRacing to do it would be if they could throw in ads or something, because uh, otherwise, what's at, what's the advantage out for them if you're not buying the content? Uh, but again, you can get that from <laughs> you can get that from Twitch. But again, Twitch is an effort for everybody that wants to throw up their stream and it's a resource hog and people probably don't always want to have everything that they're saying uh on on streams as well right could you imagine if you got the ads you're like okay cars going high going high and now on to viagra well i would think you do ads more like they do for for the continuous soccer coverage on tv they they don't they don't break for commercials there's just there's just graphics for the whole race and so i would go, i would go I, that route i don't think the app would be for the general public it would be you'd have to be an iRacing member to have access to the app much like the iRacing app we have today yeah anybody can download it download it but you have to sign into it but once you're signed in i imagine what you know why can't they just add this functionality to the app they already have you know we go to this app all the time and we look at the points and we look at the next race and we all of us look at that app quite a bit uh would it be cool if hey you, you click the menu you see your friends i see justin's name it has a little steering wheel next to it he's still in the race i click it and boom i can see his race within like two seconds uh, i think like a missing, I, the one thing we're missing here mike i think that's all well and good, but imagine a thousand people sign onto that server all at, at a certain time there and add. You'd have to have more stability in servers if you're going to add people in to do things on them, and you'd have to have a a replay re, uh, ability or uh, a player of some sort on the app to make it work. And I just think the the servers are only built for what's in the server. We don't. I mean, in the Coke server, they probably test it the most where they get double the amount of people on the server that they normally would, but they probably build that server specifically for it or any of those pro races. Additionally, all the app does is query a database that's just sitting there with versus querying a, a live server every few milliseconds. You know, technically I would think you wouldn't have the, the guy with the app reaching out to the iRacing server. When I click Justin's name, it generates some kind of uh, broadcast directly from Justin's local server, from his computer, of uh, like TV camera two or whatever, 
kind of in the background and it, and I'm and he's basically streaming it directly from Justin. That's the way I envisioned it. Well, imagine that if a thousand people are, are watching you, you're just going to watching no, one. Nobody guy. can have that kind of content, kind of bandwidth that on a home okay. system. So I was going to make it's the probably comment. not feasible. Do you have to worry about storage? Because if you're spotting my race, it's like when I spot you from my garage on my PC, I got to have all the tracks downloaded. Is that something to look at? I guess it can't render if you don't have it. Because because it's, it's you, wouldn't, you wouldn't render it in the app. I mean, I think you would render it somewhere else and just the software is designed that way. That's the problem is I think the first part is the software is designed one way. And we're trying to create something that's it's not designed for right now. It's kind of like what we were talking about with the P, PS and the Xbox. You know, it's just not going to work. So we can definitely chalk that one up to Pipe Dream. All right. Well, if you picked a certain car, your dreams might have had a pipe taken to them because iRacing has put out the ba balance of power for the upcoming Petit Le Mans. So let's take a look at that. In the GTP, they've taken some fuel away from the Acura, 1%. And they've added 5 kilograms to the Caddy. And they've taken some fuel away from the Porsche, 1%. And on the GTD category, BMW, 1% power and 1% fuel. And the Ferrari, 1% power and fuel. Lambo staying at it, as is, and the Audi is staying at it is, and that's appropriate because they're the same car. Uh, Mercedes, 1% power, 1% fuel. And... Porsche, 1% power, 1% fuel. So 10-hour race, not this weekend, but next weekend. Podcast housekeeping, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Get on our Discord. You guys missed all the fun Tuesday night. Uh, get on there, guys, and participate. Uh, it's fun. Join us on the website for our script at iracerslounge.com. Don't forget, we have merchandise available, and it's very nice. I've been wearing my jersey this week. Uh, I got a polo arriving Saturday with two hats, and so I got more coming. Uh, get that stuff ordered. We're also on Performance Motorsports Network. All right, it's time to talk some fantasy, and we got some results from Texas Motor Speedway. Kicking off with the winner, Dwayne Bluetrani, with 229 points. Following up the top five, uh, why are you shaking your head, Greg? It's just I, I laugh every time I see that. <laughs> oh, there's the best part of fantasy for me since I basically quit is the names. <laughs> I, I'm no good at betting on sports, so I, I tried it and just lost the heart in it. Uh, it uh, wrapping up the top five was NASCAR Jedi 2. Uh, I'm not pronouncing this one. JTC TIC. And then Fatboy 1990. That's Tyler, isn't it? Nice run for him. There you go. And rounding out the top five was Mike Wojo. And. Not a super comfortable lead. 73 points in the overall standings is Canadrian. That's about a, well, I don't know how much the, the points add up with all the bonuses and stuff, but that's close to a race, race's worth lead, right? Yeah, he's got a nice little cushion there for sure. 
So we'll see how that goes. All right, on down to the top eight. Number two, Team is that Dwan, NASCAR Jedi 2, North South Racing, Res Dog, iRace and Mason, Lower Race, Louder Racing, and then eighth, Tricknickel. So, I mean, what'd you like at Texas? I mean, Bubba was looking good. Um, I mean, I would say that. Well, he's on a good team, and, and he's got some places where he can run, uh, and they played to run. Well, what you probably have seen in a lot of their races is that now with the stage racing, if you, if you go for stage points, you sacrifice track position in the next stage. So a lot of people, especially as hard as it is to pass, if you go ahead and go for the stage points, you're not going to win because you're just not going to have the track position to get back to the front. And they had a huge argument over it in uh, on door bumper clear, right? And, and so most of his season, he spent he pointed his way in by get, gaining a lot of stage points, and that would always leave him in a position where he couldn't really contend for the win. They they felt they had it this time, and so they went for the win, and, and prob, may have sacrificed some stage points, but still had a really good finish. But that's what's going to happen there. You may not be seeing him up front because they were really. Hitting, they were they were point racing instead of win racing. I usually agree with TJ, but Freddie, I agree with him on their call. Yeah, it's I, I, in this case you've got to go for the win, and he and he didn't really suffer that much for it because he probably would have lost he twenty. TJ was trying to say he lost twenty points worth of stage points. But he came in third. What is that? Forty or thirty-seven worth points? If he was mired back in twentieth, that's twenty less points, right? But the shot at the win advances him to the next round. So, Talladega's next. I mean, Byron's hot, and Denny Hamlin is hot. I mean, who do you guys like for Talladega? It depends if the big one takes out a lot of the big contenders. And, of course, it's a wild card race, you know. So about anybody except from somebody from Rick Rare Racing could probably win it. I I am so, like I said in the chat, I am so nervous for uh, Larson. Because they said it uh, the other day on one of the podcasts, too. It's the next round is setting up so well for Larson. If he could get through his two worst racetracks, and that would be the Roval and... Um, or two wild car racetracks. He's horrible at any plate race or whatever you call it. Draft tracks is what they call him now. But uh, I just, I'm so nervous for, for him as a fan of his. Right. I mean, you one wreck and things go south. I mean, look at what happened with Joey. Um, but yeah, Talladega, you know, I'm, I'm probably looking at Michael McDowell. I don't know. I, he's always good here. And what's happened to Truex? Didn't he just have another bad run? bad luck or right or or is it he's probably distracted i don't know yeah there's i didn't even think about that yeah all right talladega living large or strapped for cash it's all good at metro ford chicago metro ford delivers to you whether you're looking for a new or used car we have over 160 vehicles in stock good credit no credit doesn't matter. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com or call the owner, Patrick Milligan, 773-983-3166. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years.
Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Let's hit the hardware software, sponsored by Metro Ford of Chicago. And the first item up for discussion is not a helicopter parent, but a helicopter case. Yeah, shopping on the TikTok. Uh, they presented me a uh, snow helicopter styled open frame tempered glass swing door uh, micro case for a computer. And it looks pretty cool. I, it's got this kind of stormtrooper look to it. That's what I was going to say. It's a stormtrooper more than anything. Right. It's like an oversized stormtrooper helmet almost uh, or something. Or the nose almost looks like one of the walker's noses. Yeah. Oh, the walker on two legs thing? Yeah. yeah. I see what they're talking about being helicopter, though. Like, the front style of it could be considered that, too, though, right? That's probably why. Like an Apache helicopter, yeah. like the, yeah. It's a really nice-looking case for, was that, 137 American? I am curious what the dimensions are, because it looks really compact and tight. Well, it does say micro, so that indicates a certain size. So would it would a forty card even forty series card even fit in it? In a micro, I don't think so. I just like the look of it. I whenever I build a computer, I'm always tempted to try something new, but I probably won't. Next up, Jay's two cents dips his toes back into sim racing hardware. Yeah, somebody gave him some stuff. Uh, he got a semi cube uh, base and a semi cube wheel. Um, and he also got some pedals from VNM, the Vietnamese uh, company, VNM. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a nice little, uh, 18 minute video. He talks about what he thinks about the, the pedals, the products, uh, you know, he's kind of got, he, he's, I would say he's kind of new to sim racing. I mean, and, and he's learning this stuff, but it's kind of neat to see the perspective, you know? Well, that and this is an unboxing video, basically. He doesn't really have it any put it together yet. Right. I mean, yeah, he's more of the PC side always, right? Like, if you're looking for PC stuff, right. that's where you go for his page. Maybe he's dipping himself into, you know, I mean, he's an avid gamer, too, I think, as well for what he does. But uh, um, it would be good to see him, you know, on the sim side, too, because he gets a lot of free stuff from manufacturers maybe you can start reviewing that kind of stuff he's a vr guy like david and he used to do flight sims then track racer i think sponsors him and he's got the newest track racer cockpit it's more tubular where i got the version before that the 80 20 style yeah and so he's upgrading his uh his sim racing equipment to go onto that rig basically uh, later in the video, he's showing off a Moza formula rim he's got with display. Another guy I'd love to have on the show just to talk about his experience after after he does it, because that's that'd be a really neat crossover. Mike, this one has your catchphrase on it. It's a wheel FOV extensions. Uh, I don't know why they call it that, but. I guess so you can get optimal FOV, but sometimes you need to get the wheelbase behind the center monitor in a triple scenario. And this is a good way of doing it is by having an extension on your steering wheel. So we have this company here, tscustom.eu, and they're selling a, uh, a nice uh, realistic feel uh, extension uh, for your wheel. 
So would you actually have your center, center monitor all the way down to almost where the shaft is? If you had the wheelbase all the way back? You could. For one, on the, on the direct drive, you wouldn't be able to see your menu on the direct drive anymore. With the semi-cube base, it's a, it, there is no display and it's a lot more smaller. And so it's not such a big deal, but you're right. With the DD1, you might not want to do that. Yes, I don't know if that would be the best function of it. I guess this is where people are actually thinking they want the monitors further away from them to get the field of view. So he's selling these FOV extension, he calls it, for the DD1 and DD2. Um, and he's in development for one for SimuCube 2. But it looks to me like he's actually putting the extension, like replacing the neck of the DD1 with his blue anodized... Uh, extension piece and the quick release is uh more against the wheel on the wheel side pretty clever i wonder how it flexes normally the extensions on the other side of the quick release i'll just say it that way could this be a thing for maybe some of the tall i don't know how anyone relative on our team is height wise i know some of us are pretty short but you know if you could this be a need for some people that are like six six and higher and taller maybe with their sim rigs maybe especially if they're running in a formula style rig yeah i'm six three and that's going to be one of my next upgrades is extension to get me right but like my track racer cockpit my 80 20 style it's still like my excursions that go vertical that hold my wheelbase uh, i really need them an actual six inches taller to make it fit just right Right. If we ever do a meetup, it's going to be a funny-ass picture. <laughs> now, as I stated before, this extension is on the the base side of the QR. So the reason I have extensions on both my wheels is when I was on the Fanatec wheel, with all the, the, the old-style QR and how long and thick it is, the wheel stood out enough to me where it was in the right distance. But when I converted it to SimuCube, it's a much more trimmed down base. Um, it doesn't stick out as far when you when you the quick release is very small, um, and so I found the wheel was where, really far away from me comparatively, and so it was easy to call you know go on Amazon and spend twenty bucks and buy a actual steering wheel extender, you know for an actual steering wheel. It wasn't specifically for sim racing. Uh, and it worked, but yeah, you know, I, I was a little concerned about weight. Um, I was thinking, man, if I buy an extension from one of these SIM companies, it's probably really lightweight. I actually looked up the weight of the SIM core extension. I forget how much it was, one, two, three grams or something. I looked up the weight of the $20 one I bought from Amazon. It was actually less weight, the cheap one from Amazon. So, and it has no flex. And so I, I'm happy with it. All right, I'm going to make sure I say the guy's name correctly this time because I put the W in the, the wrong place, I think, last time. Lawrence DeSosua thinks that Fanatec needs to get moving in order to keep up with the ever-evolving SIM hardware market. And we were really kind of just talking about this. Did we talk about it on the show or just in chat last week? Chat. Uh, okay, yeah. So we were talking about it in chat this week about the quick release coming out and saying, is it just too late? And... um a lot of discussions I see online kind of say the same things that everybody thinks they're just, they're almost a dinosaur. I think my response in the group chat was um, a day late, a dollar short. 
Um, even though it might be a good product now, it's been three years waiting for this product. And in that three years, the SIM hardware industry has evolved and there's new players that there weren't before. And then Fanatec's definitely losing some market share. Well, they've just, it looks like they've just been working on this. What else have they really added? They've taken a lot of their old stuff and redone them, called them a version two, some of the older things they have. They've been working on this. There hasn't been a real huge update to anything significant. Um, they never came out with that Bentley wheel. It's just a prototype. They have the odd, that BMW rim is the other one, or the, was the only last rim that they came out with. And then what they've done is made a, a smaller direct drive was their major thing over the last couple of years. It just seems like a lot of the other companies have doubled and tripled the product um, categories or SKUs compared to where they just haven't seemed to um, done what they were doing when they first entered the market. The only right. counter maybe to that, the only counter to that is they already had a huge library. They had a, they already had a huge uh, choice of oval rims and, and formula rims and, and uh sports car rims so they they were already there a long time ago I, the biggest thing that's that that's really shot them in the foot is their customer service is real is is kind of pretty piss poor uh i got lucky with them on one thing but it was partially because i just worked through email and was patient but you you don't get quick replies and you have to sit on your item if it's broken you have to sit for months without it being fixed well that well you send it back they fix it and it comes back to you you know and it, that 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 is where they're really suffering well the other thing too is i find that when you look at the marketplace and this doesn't mean for any of us vr guys it's not a huge deal or anything like that they have a good rim lineup they haven't really blown us away with any of their rims recently in additions to them where they, you know, they haven't, you know, when you look at the Gomez wheels or uh, any of those ones, you know, the displays and the, the button combinations and the formula views, they just haven't made that, um, that, pu that push into the market with their stuff. You're absolutely right, Greg. I mean, when we talk about these nice formula wheels, Fanatec is not part of the equation. They are not in the discussion at all. Well, they are when you have you have to find out if you you can buy this rim and is compatible with. The only time it comes into the discussion is if it's compatible. These new rims are compatible with Fanatec's old hardware, so you can you know add it to your own uh, working wheel base. Now, Fanatec got in on the on the fun. Earlier in the week, they put on Instagram a photo of a carving, an intricate carving on stone from centuries ago. And in the middle of it, you can see the the carving of the QR2. But yeah, it has really been a long time in development. And they're making uh, fun of themselves uh, about it. Uh, I thought that was kind of cute. I think they need to work on their on improving their customer service reputation. Whether they can't just make the changes, they're going to have to do some things that let people know those changes are working. Um, and either 
work out some deals with some of the wheel builders where you don't have to mess with the quick with their adapters or whatever their their hubs or um open their open their architecture up a little bit more with a new base maybe uh those are the things that might rescue them and and the question is are they still making a profit if they're still making a profit even if it if their share is cut it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to die right it, it may not be you know bonuses christmas bonuses that are triple their salary every day, every year but um the, if they're still doing okay on on the bottom line okay okay and then it was announced they released them this week uh, immediately we have a video from will ford from boosted media uh, he's had his hands on them and he presents a, a full review video of the new qr2 now there's basically two versions there's like the cheaper version and there's the better version I, I don't know what they call them but there's one that's more expensive than the other um and then part of it is you have to convert your dd1 or dd2 uh, or csl dd or whichever one you have uh by putting a new neck uh or rod into it so you're going to remove the original one uh, you have to undo some wires and all this and put in a new neck. Uh, and then you, you have the base side, uh, new QR that goes with the wheel side. And, uh, and yeah, well, and as far as the results of the video, it all comes down to flex because that was the original problem with, um, with the original QR one was flex in the QR. Uh, Will does a great job of explaining how and why there was flex in the, you know, as far as the design of it, why the new one is going to work and doesn't have flex. Uh, he goes through it all. But the bottom line is the new ones don't have any flex. They did accomplish the goal. So if I want to upgrade to this, am I going to have to to get an adapter for each of my old QR wheels that have the built-in QR? Yes. The, see, no, I, I'm, 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 I don't, I don't know. I'm happy with what I got, and I think I'm going to run it till it dies. But I don't know if I want to throw that much more money into it, with especially with so many of my teammates being in the SimCube world now. The I was just looking on the Fanatec website, so the new QR base upgrade can is included with the new bundles for the direct drive. Right. They're, like when you go buy a DD1 or DD2 now, you can pick, I think he said either the old version or the new version for a period yeah. of time, and then eventually the new version only. Now, there's the, the wheel side QR is 100 for the cheaper one, 200 for the better one. But that's not the whole thing. You have to have the, the base side as well. And so that's 150 for the base side. Or seventy for the cheaper one. Oh, so do so, you actually actually have to disassemble each wheel too? Yes. No, you have to read. Well, you you have to put the base side is like where you undo the neck out of your base and do undo the wires and all that. That's what I mean. So on the wheel side, do you just tack on an adapter, or do you have to pull you that have to one screw off? Screw it on. No, you screw it on to the back of your formula wheel. Like if I had a cube control wheel, I could screw this QR2 to the back of it. So it's it's going to add length or you do you take the other the old QR off? They want to add the old QR off. Okay. 
Then they have a, a package price where you buy both of them for $200 on pre-order starting October 20th. Uh, the better one is three hundred dollars for both both uh, the full package. Let's see. I have two rims. Two hundred or three hundred. That would get really is expensive. It, is it just me or does this seem like the other thing that really bothers me here? They're adding this to it, which the direct drive probably should have come with it. In the so, first David, place. it would cost you five hundred dollars to outfit two rims on your setup. Yeah, and for me, the flex ain't so bad, so I ain't doing it. That's that's a ridiculous price for something that this should have been shouldn't have been a problem in the first place. I'm so glad I got a semi cube. <laughs> yeah, when you're looking at this stuff, aren't you, Justin? You're just like I, I am so thankful when I was just a fanboy and you made that list of what you were buying when you're upgrading your rig, and I had that uh, the core of it in the back of my head when I started buying my stuff. Yeah, for me, it will literally be how long will this will all of this stuff last, and then what do, what route do I go at that point? So this stuff basically now makes your direct drive like a two thousand dollar direct drive wheelbase. You know, it's it's not compatible with the CSL, the older belt drive ones. I, that's what I, I remember in the video. It only is compatible with Fanatec's DD drives or direct drives. I don't know. You know, I don't, I'm not buying in Fanatec ever again. I, I've had a bad enough taste in my mouth from them. So, where is SemiCube based? Finland, Holland, something like that. Europe. So, there's still the, still the, uh, has anybody dealt with their customer support? Finland. You don't have to. That's the point. <laughs> look, I'm in a SemiCube owners group in Facebook. You rarely see uh, problems. And, I don't think I've ever seen any, you know, customer service horror stories or anything like that. The quick release on the SemiCube is so plain Jane and simple and easy. Uh, there's nothing to it. And it's so rock solid. It's, it's like night and day different from this kind of quick release fan attack is put out. It's all fancy and everything with pins in it that can be broke. And yeah, it doesn't have all that. Is that because those SemiCube is a, uh... As a cord to, from the, each wheel? Well, or they actually plug yeah, directly but, into the thing to get power. Yeah, but they do offer, uh, you know, like we saw Jay's Two Cents end up with a, a semi cube wheel called the Taktu, I think they call it. It actually hooks Bluetooth, um, so it doesn't need a wire. Yay, latency. All right. Well, this next one's not Fanatec product. This looks more like something along the lines that probably Brian would get. Or I know, I know, Mike, you like your belts, but yours you just strap on just for the cool factor. Whereas these actually have some uh, some force feedback of a sort, right? Brian actually has these. Uh, this is a PT actuator tension R seat belt tensioning system, and. Um, we found a new video uh, from this guy. Uh, he goes over his installation of the unit, uh, the software, the tuning of it, um, and what he thinks about it. It was a nice little review. Um, it makes noise. I think that was the biggest drawback I had on it. A lot of noise. Um, but it basically pulls tight on the belts uh, as you go around corners to kind of give you a, a feeling of G-force. 
Now, I always wondered with these seatbelt tensioner systems, can you back them up with full motion also? Double it up. Oh, yeah. That's what Brian has. He has a D-box style on all corners, and he has the, t- the seatbelt tensioner, and he has the G-seat, which is the hydraulic flaps underneath your butt and your legs and your back, against your back. He has all that together. One day. Well, some people, you know, they have a, a midlife crisis and they buy a Corvette, you know, or a little sports car. Well, Brian, he bought a motion system. All right, anyway, it's a nice little, uh, uh, one more thing, David, I was going to say, it's a nice little uh, box that sits down below, but kind of behind the seat. You have to mount it to your rig. Um, and he said that you can order it in two different sizes, depending on how wide your cockpit is. You have to use their belts. This was another drawback I didn't like. I wanted specific belts that were a lot thinner going down my chest uh, than the big wide ones. Uh, mine are kind of like a, I think they call Hans device belts. So they're thinner because they go along the edge of the the Hans device. Anyway, I just think it's more comfortable to have the thinner belt than having the real thick belt that kind of cuts into your neck and stuff. And so, uh, I was a little turned off at the fact that you have to use their belts and you can't use like real seat belts. All right. Yeah, we step on each other all the time because we don't have a producer saying, hey, we're wrapping or something. We try to use a little bit of a video signal, but hey, it's a casual setting, right? Uh, Justin, you, you might be able to talk about this one as as well as Mike because um, it seems to be really good for people with uh, with triples, though I have not had a chance to look deep into it. But what what about this IR sidekick? Yeah, David. Uh, Dave Cam. Uh, reviews the IR Sidekick software uh, that lets you easily configure your system setup. And this is mainly based for triples, like you said. And I've watched this video, but I haven't actually used it yet because it's working now. Um, it took forever to get my triples right, my graphics right. So I get kind of, I'm a little skittish on touching my graphics right now. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. Yeah, that, I mean, this is kind of neat because it's like a front-end interface to modify the DX12 or DirectX12 INI file where they keep all the graphical settings for the sim. And, like, you can go open in Notepad and all these INI files on your computer and adjust everything by just going through Notepad. So this is like a, a fancy piece of software that makes that a little more uh, easy on the eyes. You know, everything's on one screen. You, there's check marks and you, there's drop down menus. And it just makes it, it's a nice user interface. Let's say it that way. Now, do you really need this? No, because everything you need is in SIM. This is just another way of doing it. Like you That's said, not true. I don't, I don't know if I need it. Not everything is in SIM. There are settings that you can change in INI that you cannot change in the SIM. Oh, well, that's a good point. And this probably has some of those listed. Because I was going to mention, well, why doesn't, why is, why should this tool be necessary or does iRacing just not want some things where a, a random 13 year old could accidentally click on them? Right. There's a reason it's not in the SIM, right? <laughs> so, 
but if you if you want to really you know mess around with graphics this would be a nice little software to try now when i first saw the name of it ir sidekick i was thinking oh this must be like my iRacer assistant software but it but it's not uh the iRacer assistant which i highly recommend is available for free on the forums uh search for it and it basically starts up all your third-party apps with one button so like when i turn my computer on i boot i sign into windows i launch the iRacer assistant by clicking it once then i click start apps which is another click and it starts up crew chief discord the beta ui um joel real timing i think there's two or three others i use uh as well but all of them open up at once so you program it to open all these apps for you um it's pretty handy and it's also got a neat uh hey let's turn off the computer let's turn off the computer and wait five minutes to let it cool down before it turns off so like when i get up from a race i push that button and i walk away from the computer and my computer will you know uh shut down correctly so we're talking all the time about the crossovers between real world and and sim world and this one goes a little bit in the opposite direction as the italian seatbelt manufacturer sabel i don't i guess french would actually say the t or not french italian would actually say the t so sabelt they have launched a range of aluminum sim racing cockpits and um these guys do car seats and seat belts and motorsports equipments for for real life racing and now they're building sim rigs and, and it's looking pretty much 80 20 style with but nice black anodized aluminum profile i wish i had gotten mine black but it uh was not available for immediate order when i got my rig uh they look neat though yeah, they do. Uh, pricing 100 euros up to 1500 euros, and like you said, just a typical 80/20 cockpit. Um, nothing out of the ordinary. It kind of looks like the you know a SimLab P1X clone. Yep, and it doesn't. Even though they manufacture seats, I guess they're not included in the price, and it's a pain in the ass to ship a seat across the ocean so usually you want to buy your seat here if you're on states on on the state side sorry canadian bros oh and it also says with every pre-ordered cockpit you receive a free set of sabelt seat belts greg take a look at zen sim wheels for us and tell us a little bit yeah, it was just uh, floating around their website here. Um, they look like they are, they're, it's a site out of the Netherlands. Um, that's uh, They've got a couple, it looks like a Sim Dash um, that they sell. They sell a couple of different types of rims. Um, the, is it the Camus direct drive? Camus? Camus? Camus. Camus. Um, which is a, a nice looking direct drive. Um, it's just a, another shop for sim racing equipment. Uh, they have a nice, their uh, Uniflex Elite sim racing steering wheel um, is a really look, nice looking F1 style, maybe actually more like a IndyCar rim, more looking with the dash and everything. I like the uh, color pattern of them. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, I like the button layout on the Aston Martin Vantage GTE. 
except uh, no dual clutch. That's the only thing it looks like it's missing. But it's got a, it's like it looks like it's got a really smart button layout with everything right there at your thumbs, as well as five dials. Wow, he's got a lot of different wheels. And they and they also have for our our old teammate uh, Tony Groves. They got stickers. Pricing seems okay. Uh, That's euros, right? It's euros, right? But like the LMP2 uh, wheel, six hundred and fifty euros. That's with a display. The IndyCar looking one. Now the LMP2 does. Forty nine. Yeah, the LMP2 does have the uh, dual clutch on there. It's got a pretty, pretty. That's almost a Porsche button layout. Definitely nice. Little, the amount of weird though. I like the buttons up closer to the thumb area where you're going to hold your thumb. It, it's it's not spread out as much. It's more condensed in the thumb grip area. Yeah, the, I've got three buttons on my Fanatec Formula Wheel that are in the bottom center, and are they're useless. You can't get to them in the middle of a race easily, easily at all. Especially without taking a hand off. Zen Sim wheels. What you're describing there, David, I feel like those would be like an auto shut off or like like it's it's something that's not you use once and that's it. And that you can, like you said, one handed do it for those types of buttons. The the only thing I really had on it was the uh, like a couple of chat settings for to like post iracerslounge.com and my old Switch channel and stuff like that. All right, let's jump to results. We'll talk NIS and finish up Texas. Friday open. I ran it stayed green till I stopped, but the caution came out shortly after. Yikes. Luckily, I caught the lucky dog. I was dead last, even behind the wave rounds because of a delayed green, which by the way, they really need to fix that. Look, if I'm the wave around and there isn't a delayed green, I get to start in front of the wave rounds. Yeah, I'm tail end, but then the wave rounds come around and they're behind me, okay? But when there's a delayed green, guess what? I have to let those guys by. And I don't think that's fair. I think they they shouldn't be let by just because the, the green delayed or the, yeah. Uh, anyway, I was P21. I drove up to seventh before another caution to re-rack them with 29 to go. Had a good run going about seventh or so. Uh, and a guy, yeah, I don't know what that means. Uh, tires appears, uh, oh, a guy with better tires appears to dive below me and he took me out and I fell back to last car on the lead lap, P21. Sunday open, David, P19. Yeah, I was like car 35 and top split and they were fast, man. And so I was pretty well just mixed or Pretty well, just a mid-pack car. So I can't be too disappointed with the P19 in top split. If I'm the 30, you know, especially as much as, I don't know if I've lost a step or what, but I'm just not as fast as I was last year. Uh, strategy was up and down. There were some times when it was looking I might get close to a top 10. There were some times when it looks like I was going to finish the lap down and it all just kind of balanced out for an okay finish. All right, Justin, P6. Uh, yeah, I... 
qualified seventh. Uh, I deserved my finish. Um, I wasn't no faster than P6. Uh, I got zero X on the day. I count that as a win in my book with uh, racing Bristol in the last week. So uh, we'll keep on going. All right. Nice finish. And then that evening, Sunday fixed another uh, finish. Oh, no, I, did you run? I, I doubled it. I, I wrote it down twice by accident. Oh, okay. All right. So let's move on to Talladega. One of my favorites, uh, P17. Oh, I was leading with about 25 to go. And I actually kept the lead right up until the end. And I got hung out to dry, not once, but twice on that final restart and ended up wrecked. Uh, P17, it was good to lead lap. Um, I was in a very high split and um, I was in position at the end, you know, it's just that nobody worked with me. I went high to block the, 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 the guys getting a run and they just went around me instead of coming up behind me. So, you know, what are you gonna do? All right, Chris Waldron, P10. He said, saved it with one to go and worked my way back up to 10th. David, you got dropped. Yeah, and I've been, I don't know if y'all have been seeing it, but uh, running an A open one of the nights, we saw six cars start blinking and drop all at the same time. And the teammates for other teams reported it was happening in other splits too. And I, I don't have connection problems through the internet ever. Uh, especially since I've been on fiber and running running okay and then just all of a sudden people started blinking really bad like I could tell it was me blinking because the whole rest of the field was blinking I got down on the apron um, but within uh, within 30 seconds it completely disconnected me for, for a poor connection uh, Tony said he got dropped too. He, he's got more information that you'll hit in a second. But yeah, there's definitely something causing some issues with the iRacing server, kicking a lot of people out recently, especially at Dega. I and don't know like if I'd have gotten a good finish. No, no. And when I was talking, you didn't hear me garbled or anything either. It's like like there's something was right. happening with my connection. It just it just went bad really fast. Almost. So, I don't know if I'd have had a great finish anyway, because I just missed catching the lead pack after green flag stops and was falling way back. And so, it would have been a matter of whether a caution came out or not. And I, when I reconnected and it was already two laps down and saw six cars a lap down, I, I went and started playing some digital combat simulator instead. Yeah, you weren't going to make that up, right? No. All right, Justin, man, it was fun while it lasted, but you ended up P-last. Yeah, I, I don't know how long the run was, maybe 15 laps. We got linked up pretty quick. It was uh, me, you, Tom, and the new guy, Brad uh, Wern, I think that's his last name. But yeah, we got hooked up and we were just chilling and some guy got a bad push and ricocheted off the wall and I hit him at like 200 mile an hour, so I was done. Now, you, like you said, all four of us were actually linked up there. You were leading uh, the group and you took the brunt of the force. The rest of us kind of piled in, but we didn't get, I, I didn't get a lot of damage. I was okay. I, I think uh, the other two guys had a little bit. 
but yeah you took the brunt of the force and you were junk after that uh all right and then tony he ran p7 i got spun early on not hitting anything got stuck on the banking while still green almost went down a lap got stuck behind a lapper Lost the pack, middle of the race, dropped connection while a lap away on a green flag stop. Lost almost two laps, kept not getting lucky dog for checking up on Rex and another guy passing me for it. Eventually got it and went from like 20 something to eight on the green white checker and gained a spot for a guy getting DQ'd, LOL. Tom Dryling was in our split with uh, me and Justin. He got a P23 after that damage in Justin's wreck. We had our guest, John, with us, and he ran a P-17. I didn't get uh, too much about his race. Hatter Williamson got a P-8, qualified third and settled in for a long one. Stayed around the top five for most of the race till a caution, late caution came out setting up the green-white checker. Had fun racing with teammate Chris Waldron as we had a good run up top. Happy with eight and a zero X. New teammate. Brad Wren, P19, started 10th, ran up front till early accident, collected all four teammates, up back to running in the top 10 till final wreck on the third green-white checker, ended up P19. All right, moving on to today, I was car 33 in the top split. I ended up changing lanes and turning myself off somebody's nose and then losing the draft. I finally caught a caution, the first one all race with only 20 to go. It was green up until that point. I was like literally almost out of fuel. I think I had three laps left. I ended up staying out for a wave around instead of pitting for fuel. I did not have enough fuel to make it. I only had three laps of fuel left. And Tony Rochette literally talked me into staying out. I would have not done it if he hadn't been there. Uh, and sure enough, I stayed out and we caught a quick caution and I was able to get fuel uh, and cycle up to 12. I was running like 23rd when all this went down. Uh, and I ended up finishing 12. 177 points for a 12th place finish. A car number 33 in top split. Uh, that was uh, a lot of points. And I actually gained almost 100 on Tom Dryling uh, from where we were before the week started. Dustin P4. Yeah, I had him. Uh, good luck finally uh, got caught up it started off bad and got caught up in two wrecks uh, the damage was 40 50 seconds so it was, I could get it fixed up in a caution uh, just stayed chill um, had a chance to win um, I was on the outside um, coming into three and four running about p3 a guy in front of me and the outside lane started to slow up everybody started bailing on the inside and the guy in front of me i gave him a shot and i hit him square and i actually pushed him to the lead why everybody hung him out to dry uh yeah so it was a fun race nice finish uh nice to be there at the at the end right and then tony uh rochette p4 kept my nose clean till the end went to the outside to push a car to the lead but he got wrecked just before the line p4 you guys had some good runs Moving on to other official FIA F4 I ran at Road America. It was a pileup. Nine cars had to tow in lap one, turn two. I had stopped completely to miss it, but got literally ran over from behind. 
So I tried a second attempt of the night, qualified fourth. On the start, the guy in front of me in P2, he left his transmission in neutral. He gashed it with the clutch in, and when the green light came out, he dropped the clutch, but never left the grid. I had a great start, but turned right to miss him, but it wasn't enough. And I actually, uh, we hit tires, and I flipped upside down, wrecking before I even got going. I mean, I was upside down before I even got to the start-finish line. I mean, I don't know how it can be worse than that, but that's how it, it played out. Draftmeister, I, I mentioned this earlier in the episode that I've been farming uh, Draftmeister, uh, Draftmaster, I guess it's called, uh, Daytona with the car of tomorrow. Uh, so I'll kind of blast through these. Uh, top split, qualified fifth, got to the lead by halfway, but fell back to fourth after making a mistake, P4. Top split again, was running third near the end. A guy had a run on me. I blocked low successfully as we entered the corner and he just ran into the back of me and dumped me. Still finished P5. Next day, top split, took the lap lead on lap seven, held it to the white. Some 6,500 guy came out of nowhere and blew by me. I finished second. Uh, that put me above 3,000 I rating. I started the week at 2450. Top split, top split again, it was Matt Busa and Liam Brotherton. Uh, I was running third behind those guys when I had to do do dodge a lapper and I fell back to sixth. Top split again, end up hitting the wall. Uh, cost me third, I finished fifth. Top split again, led a bunch of laps and then hit the wall all by myself, ended up P3. Was running third in the top split lap. Car basically ran into the back of me and I got loose and spun and me clear out. Somehow I was able to finish fourth. Not top split this time. The same guy who ran over me before was fighting me hard for third. I finally got him and got the second, but not enough to catch the leader. Somehow, someway, ended up three wide for the lead. I was on the outside and got pushed to the wall. Heavy damage, but still finished P3. Ran one more race and finished P4. Next night, top split got wrecked on the final lap. Somehow, still finished 10th. And then, yeah, so I gained a lot of I rating, guys. Can't believe I pulled that off. I mean, every finish was like sixth or better the entire event, every race. All right, let's do final thoughts. Greg Hectus. Uh, just uh, looking forward to Talladega. I, I laid down for a couple minutes last night, and then I woke up after you guys had already started racing, and I missed the NIS, so I'm looking forward to tomorrow night and Sunday morning racing Talladega. Um, and then we're on to road week after that final race to find out who the road king of the team is, Mike. Yeah, and I understand this might be the last Roval at Charlotte race for probably the unforeseen future. We're not going to be there next year. All right, David Hall, final thought. So you're saying when you think you might be taking a nap, you don't go ahead and set your alarm for the NIS race? When you have kids, you sleep through anything if you can. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot. Go buy some merch. Yeah, we got great merch, guys. It, I'm not kidding. Just trying to get you to get some. It is really oh, good yeah. quality. Mine comes in tomorrow. Uh, so looking forward to it. I will uh, throw up, throw it up on Discord um, and probably wear it during the race. I won't wear the, right, the, the the beanie, though, because that would be too hot. You're too winter. All right.
Justin Pearson, final thought. I just not much. Just learning Dega. I got to give a shout out, to David. I ran an A open with him. He took me through the racing school of David, taught me a few things, and I'm actually I used to just play in the back and try to dodge all the wrecks and now the only place i feel comfortable is on the outside lane in the front because you can manipulate that bottom lane and but anyways i got a lot more confidence now can you comment on my teaching style being as i am a real teacher very direct now we didn't talk about those results from your a open runs i think monday or tuesday night uh but David, you almost won that race. You, you were, I think you finished second, but it was close. Yeah, if I remember correctly, because it's foggy, we had kind of almost a four-car breakaway. We had some something really hectic happen that really broke everybody up. And I got linked back up with somebody who said, I'll push you all the way. But we're we're flying up, up the high line, and there's a two-car breakaway in the low lane. And the leader of the two-car breakaway comes up and blocks. It's not a late block, so I'm, I'm not going to hit him. Uh, or it would ruin both of our races. I pull down and pass him in the middle, but it breaks me and my pusher up. And I, I at that point, I'm by myself. And whoever, L, whoever ended up behind me also left me and went up, up high. And I don't think he won, but I just I had no help at that point and just couldn't hold on. So I just came in second. And another thing, yeah. too, you gained me on my last NIS race. You taught me about two-tire, four-tire, half-tank, take-two, uh, full-tank, take-four. That's what got me that P7 or whatever it was. Yeah, and I guess we just taught that to all of our listeners, too. <laughs> my bad. Hey, you don't need tires at Tally. So I think no. what I told the guys was, Never wait on tires at Talladega. You need to wait on fuel. And if you can take tires while you're waiting on fuel, then go ahead and do that. But don't wait on tires. If I think right, my I, final thought. Something, sorry, I think if something I haven't lost is I'm still really, I have a high percentage on strategy calls, I, I feel like. Yeah. All right. So my final thought, uh, I can't believe I gained a thousand I rating in one week, but I did. And I'm pretty damn proud of that. I mean, when you you guys heard me, top split, top split, top split. And and there were no slouches in there. There were some big high high ratings in there. And that's why I gained so many points. I'm beating these guys. And why? Chris McGuire hosted, man. I, I've been running that for a couple of years now on the weekends. And guess what? Every single time we're gonna we're running the car tomorrow at one of these restrictor plate tracks, and I really attribute my experience uh, with that car to how I did in that farming uh, this week. Um, it it made it where I was always in the mix for the win, no matter where I started or qualified. I could get up there in the top five and 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 try to get a win. I had one win of the week. Uh, out of the whole thing it was the very early on but uh man like i said never worse than six and it just played out well as far as talladega uh i was in position to win and i was leading on the final green white checker i mean i don't know how you can be in a better position but uh i almost feel like you don't want to be leading at the end of this race you want to be in second or third 
or fourth and then when the Y comes out push past those guys ahead of you uh, so we'll try that again tomorrow night and try to get our my 98th career win and with that hey we'll see you on the track later thank you for listening to the odd racers lounge podcast make sure you go to subscribe to us on itunes soundcloud or google play facebook and twitter see you on the track